One last thing. I've noticed over and over and over again with clients of mine that procrastination comes up as a reoccurring and frequent enemy to what they want to accomplish in their lives, financially and otherwise. I'm betting you've heard yourself or somebody else say something like, I never have enough time. I need to get better at managing my time. I'm always in a rush. Uh, I'm lazy. Um, and sometimes I even just hear people saying, I procrastinate. So if procrastination is something that's holding you back from getting what you want, um, I have good news. I've heard my clients um, and I understand that because procrastination is such a big deal, I pulled procrastination off into its own five session program. And I'm offering that now um, separately from my normal financial coaching. Um, so while certainly addressing procrastination helps our finances heal, um, this five session program doesn't directly deal with uh, finances. It's designed specifically to help recover from procrastination. And we'll talk about um, what your life would look like with procrastination. And we'll be talking about procrastination being part of a larger disease, part of a larger cycle, and what we can do to slow that down. So I'll put some information about where you can go uh, to sign up for an info session uh, for the new procrastination program. And I'd, I'd love to have you take part in that. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, all. My name is Hannah Morell. I am with Pacific Stoa Financial Coaching, and this is Miserable Is Not Enough. I help people who think they are bad at money learn how to trust themselves again. So we've been spending some time, uh, maybe the next two episodes or so, we'll spend also talking about how to create long-term positive behavior change in our lives. And I, I think we kind of all intuitively understand why long-term positive behavior change is important, right? Like we really can't get towards our goals without making some longer-term changes. So um, sure, we can make a big acute big dramatic changes in our life, but they probably won't stick. Um, and that's typically what, what we try to do. Like if you think about like a baseline sort of hum being our background, normal lives, quote unquote, normal, there's no such thing as normal. Um, and we try to make a behavior change to that. You can kind of see that line creeping up, like fighting for every little, every little, edge we can get every single time we try to make a behavior change. It's like a fight. So we'll fight up for a little bit. We'll get a little bit of success and then something happens. Something crashes us back down again. And then we'll fight and try. We'll exercise our willpower. We'll make ourselves feel obligated. We'll limit our choices. We'll fight our way back up again. Uh, and then something happens and we crash ourselves back down again. That seems like the bigger the spike, the more success we had. It always seems like there's an equally, um, equally dramatic valley coming right up, right? So that is the typical way that we try to affect behavior change in our lives. We, we try to brute force or muscle our way up. Um, and that is, that is something like if we think about this in terms of like if you are running a business and you are having to muscle your way to any kind of change or progress, it would be terribly exhausting and not duplicatable. Um, so using the, the business as, a, as an analogy, you would instead probably look for systems um, and 
the system that could make things easier long-term, that could make that success duplicatable. And that's basically all we're talking about here is we're talking about treating the, the behavior change that we want as the result of a system. And that system is our normal, our, our, our mean, our normal, uh, the average way that we run our lives. So instead of viewing change the change in our normal, uh, whether that looks like our lifestyle or just our lives, day-to-day lives are different. Instead of that, treating that as the result of a long-term behavior change, I kind of want to flip that on its head. So if, if behavior change is now the downstream result, if we walk upstream a little bit, let's take a look at that normal, whatever your normal life is, and see if we can instead change some things about your normal life to basically create the conditions for the change. And it's not that it's going to make the change easier. It's going to make the change possible. Um, So instead of having to fight and brute force and willpower and force ourselves to any kind of long-term positive behavior change, let's talk about three things that we can do upstream of that um, to make those long-term positive behavior changes possible. So the first one is to change. Oh, by the way, this is going to involve some change. We're doing little behavior changes to get to the big behavior changes. So um, the first one is that you're going to change what you consume. And I don't just mean food, although I also mean food. I mean anything that you bring into your body, podcasts, radio shows, um, books, media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything that you bring into your five senses, you're looking for opportunities to change. Um, And it doesn't have to be dramatic. And that's going to be something you'll hear me talk about, about all three of these things. Um, to change your normal. It doesn't have to be dramatic, right? It could just be you're just changing a little bit of how you consume. So let's say your goal, your the long-term behavior change that you want is you want to build a routine of um, learning how to play the violin, right? So maybe you maybe you listen to podcasts or listen to radio shows. Um, you listen to some um, classical music, right? On the radio. That's a, a fantastic long-term path. That's a fantastic thing that you can do to change your normal, just consuming music. Let's say your goal, your the long-term positive behavior change that you want is that you want to um, clean your house for 15 minutes a day, right? You want to build that routine. Um, the Maybe the upstream um, thing that you could consume would be, I don't know, maybe, a, maybe read a book on organization, right? Maybe, or maybe go to a meetup group or maybe look for inspiration on Pinterest. Um, Let's say your long-term behavior change that you want is you want to develop um, and evolve your own spending plan, your own budget. So something that you might consume might be a a podcast like this, maybe, um, but you might also um, consume other other wonderful things um, and also yeah other podcasts and radio shows I, I was that's complicated I shouldn't have brought that up because uh, there's some out there that are pretty bad and will just shame you um, so maybe not those um, without mentioning too many names um, so that's that's the first thing change what you consume whether it's what you eat what you're 
what you're consuming as far as entertainment, change what you consume. Second thing you can do to change your normal and make long-term positive behavior change possible is change who you associate with. And again, this doesn't have to be a dramatic change. Anecdotally, and if this is purely anecdotal, I have no data to support this, it seems to be about the 26% mark. So pulling out my calculator here. So if you have 10 people that you are associated with on a regular basis and you want to change 26% of that, you want to like switch some people out, you only have to switch out three people. Um, if you, okay, if you want to keep those 10 people, you just need to add in four people um, to, to reach that 26% mark. So I'm not telling you that you have to like disassociate with friends and family, I am saying that it may be time to bring in some people in your life who represent the new normal that you want. It doesn't mean that if you want to be a millionaire, you need to start hanging out with millionaires. That might not be a positive experience. I do mean that the violin example is a good one. If you want to learn to play the violin, take lessons, right? You're hanging out, you're associating with um, someone who who is living that life or who has experience with that. Um, if you if you want to um, hang out, if you want to have a cleaner house, then associate yourself with people who have cleaner houses like that. Um, so that's number two. Uh, and those are both very, very important and work definitely in conjunction with each other and kind of can be the same thing. Like you can associate with me um, by listening to this podcast, which is consumption, but also by coaching, which could be counted as consumption, but also associating with me. That's also a shameless plug for coaching, by the way. Um, so those two are important, but not as important as the third one. And the third one is probably the make or break. You can get lots of results with those first two, but to really, to effectively and permanently change your normal and make long-term positive change possible, you have to change how you talk to yourself. And that's hard. <laughs> I have appreciate that, like I'm saying, it sounds so easy. It's not. The, the way that we talk to ourselves, um, those conversations that we have with ourselves are very, very fast and very, very quiet. So even understanding how we talk to ourselves may be a bit of a challenge. Um, that is something that takes some practice and it takes a lot of observation and observation without judgment. And I, I'm willing to bet um, no amount of money <laughs> that the way that you talk to yourself, especially when you're trying to enact some behavior change is probably pretty negative. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. And if you remember back to the procrastination episodes, we talk about, we talked about, um, shame and judgment being one of those things that we try to do to stop ourselves from procrastinating. And it really only makes things worse. It impacts our level of crisis shuts us down even further. Um, so changing the way you talk to yourself is harder. And I don't have too many great examples because it's very, very personalized and it requires some, some practice. Um, and it takes a little while to develop even the ability to hear your internal conversation. So my encouragement for that would be to first observe and be aware of your own internal conversation and then look for opportunities to change that without, without judgment or shame. Um, and I, 
that I know that that may be difficult, um, but it is definitely probably the most important way that we can do that. So that's mindset, right? And that's, I think we've all probably heard about mindset change, but this is, this is probably the most critical way to do that is to first observe your own internal language and then seek to find ways to replace it or change it. And it's not just about reframing, right? So I can reframe, I, I should be doing this too. I will do this that's still a lot of obligation language and there's still other ways that I can motivate myself that myself that does not involve um, judgment or shame. So that's it for this particular episode. I don't want to go too much past 10. Um, in the next episode, I think we're going to talk about the single biggest obstacle to long-term positive behavior change. Um, and it's right between your ears. So thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Bye. The tools, concepts, strategies, and processes covered in this curriculum, coaching, and podcast are meant to be used for your personal development and or in the partnership with the tools that you are already using in the service of your community. If you are considering seeking compensation of, or contracts using this financial coaching curriculum, Please reach out to Pacific STOA for more information on the Financial Wellness Coach Certificate and Exclusive Licensing.